Welcome to the She Elevates podcast. I am so freaking excited for you guys to meet my friend Lauren Fast today. It was such an honor to have her on the show. When I left this conversation, I was just like, wow, holy smokes. All of the things that she talks about is just like unbelievable. And I had so many takeaways and she has so many mic drop quotes. She was so authentic and so vulnerable. I cannot wait for you guys to check this out. One of the big things that she really talks about is getting over limiting beliefs. And you know, what do you do when your rug of stability is yanked right from underneath you in the choices that you can make with the rug that is given to you? I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this. Buckle up. Let's go. Hey everyone, welcome to the She Elevates podcast. I am super excited today to have my dear friend, Lauren Fast, on the show. And just to give you a little background, we met, like, I can't even remember how many years ago. It's probably been at least a decade ago. Now you're making um, me think. <laughs> <laughs> you were substituting in a class oh. I was co-teaching in. Like, that was our very first encounter. Um, so that was like way, way, way back in when yeah, in like, in like my middle 2006 school. uh it could have been 2006 2007 mm-hmm. could be so mm-hmm. lauren has like an awesome story and she's just out there doing all the things and she's such an inspiration to all of us but i don't want to tell her story for her because one she's right here and it's her story but lauren just give, give us a little bit of background on you just for our, our listeners that don't know you but they're going to want to be your best friend after this Oh, well, uh, thank you for all of that. And you are so incredible for putting this together just for your audience and, and, and just everyone in general who is looking to make a connection so that you can feel a little less alone in just this isolation. And I think that that's the part that uh, it becomes the most important and the most valuable about what it is that you're doing when you connect with your community. Uh, so thank you for all of that background about me like how far back do you want me to go like tell us all your juicy secrets no you don't have to get that deep but like just you know tell us about like where you started with taking like these risks because like when I think of Lauren Fast I think of like mega risk taker and just kind of like changing stuff up like doing things that are I don't want to say like out of the ordinary but you're out there like doing the stuff by taking risks Mm. So I was speaker. Yeah, I know. And, and first of all, let me say this. Um, I was not always a risk taker in any way, shape or form. I was, I, and I'm, I'm very much a rule follower. Everything I have ever done. And I've, I've done some work with personal values workshops and, and through my personal value workshops, you really identify what are the, the values and what is it that Every time you wake up in the morning, you're living within the conviction of these values and you carry those throughout your day. And that's what results in the motivation that you have to get out of bed and do the things that you're doing. And in this particular vein of questioning, it's to do, to take the risks that you're taking and everything that I've ever done must fall into alignment with integrity and loyalty. Those are the two that are non-negotiables for me. And I have not always known that. I know that now in, in like in my forties, I know that. So holy cow, why did that take me so long? Um, so not always a risk taker. I, I very much did what I, I believe was probably prescribed based on my community's culture and the way that I was, I was raised in my, my familial community when just the identity of, oh gosh, I'm a twin. 
So mm-hmm. being a twin sister was always attached to, you know, you're one of the, or people who didn't know my sister and I well enough would be like, now, which one are you? And we're fraternal. We look nothing alike. You know, I have darker skin and dark eyes and my hair is actually darker than Haley's. And then she's always had much lighter skin and more freckling and blue eyes. And so there was really no like strong similarities. And as fraternal twins, you know, we're just like sisters, but born at the same time. She's a minute older. It's very important that <laughs> you remember that. Um, but so raised in this, this, this co-identity with someone else became a bit of a a, a handicap for me. I will, let me say it this way. I allowed that to become a handicap for me for the majority of like the first half of my life. And it, because of that, when I was in college, I, I didn't do any rebelling, but I, I had lots of identity and, and personal identity issues. And as a result, because I was trying to fit into this, I'm going to call it a costume. I was trying so hard to fit into the identity that my family and my community wanted me to fit into that when I started to grow into my own self, that, you know, the buttons started popping and the seams started to tear or, you know, it didn't fit quite right. Like I wasn't really fitting into this, but I was trying so hard to make it work anyway. You know, I, I, I got married and I I had children and I moved back home and I was close to my family and I was a stay at home mom for a handful of years before I realized like this, this may be not like my gig. Like, I don't know that I'm supposed to be sort of stuck in this same space. There's a lot of things that I want to try. There's a lot of cool things that I want to do. And and there were lots of cool things that I did uh, in college. And here's one fun fact that not very many people know about me. So when I was at the University of Missouri, I actually worked for the athletic department. So I studied sports medicine when I was at the university and in studying sports medicine, I worked for the athletic department as a student athletic trainer. And I traveled with teams all over the country, all of the the various Mizzou teams. So I worked with the soccer team. I worked with the football team. I worked with the softball team, the volleyball team. And we went to all these cool places, all these great colleges. I've been to all these amazing stadiums and I was on the sidelines of all of these places. And I was responsible for the immediate care and prevention of athletic injuries in that environment. And I loved it. So the cool, really fun fact is I have a bowl pendant. So when teams win or they don't win and they go, they get a bowl ring. And so we as female participants with the team, we got necklaces, we got these these pendants. And so I actually have a bowl pendant from 1998. Uh, And that's, that's one of my, my, my favorite, favorite things that I've done. So when I, when I came home, uh, the marriage did not work out and that is okay. Um, I, and I, I say that because it, we were just not suited for that, for that situation. I think that we were both in that environment or I allowed myself to believe that I needed to be married because that's what the familial community believed would be the right thing for me to do. And I think it's because that's how generationally that had been handed down. So still not a risk taker yet. Although getting divorced was not easy um, and raising two boys not on my own. I had a nice community, but raising two boys myself was also not easy. I mean, Lisa, I was on the kneecap housing waiting list. Hmm. I qualified for food stamps. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of things about that experience that I really wouldn't wish on anybody. Mm-hmm. Was that great timing? No. <laughs> was it what anyone set out to do? Was that part of my goals? No. Was that a risk I wanted to take? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
that was the thing that needed to happen at the time. And so we, you know, did what we needed to do and enter the time where I met you. So I started working as a substitute teacher and I actually went back to college because I thought teaching might be the thing that I wanted to do, but formal teaching in an educational environment or through like a public school system or a private school system. And, and I was very interested in special education. That was the, actually the, the version of education that I was the most drawn to that I, I, I really considered. And I thought, oh, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And that's when I met the company where um, you and I have some of the most interactions. And I, I met actually a, a direct sell company that had a product line that I really enjoyed and turned out I was really good at selling it and that I was really good at talking about it. So I turned into education mm-hmm. uh, in a way that was um, not what I expected, but it was a really great way to nurture and grow a community. And because I had two boys, that particular company was like the girl I never had because I was able to meet and spend time with other really wonderful women and hear their stories and help several of them develop an income that would help them to survive. So when I was on a housing waiting list for you know a subsidized housing and when I was qualifying for food stamps and then able to make enough money to not need to do that, I could help other women, let that be the playbook for their own stories. Mm-hmm. So I did things like that. And that's not when I started taking risks knowingly that's when I started to say, hey, hey, I know that that's not so great. I know that sucks. What you're going through right now sucks. I know that because I've gone through it. So let me, let me help you with this. Here's how I can help to facilitate your climb up this mountain like someone else, and her name is Heather, helped me climb up my own mountain. Isn't it crazy how like things happen? Like we have like this path that we view, we envision for ourselves, but like something, and I don't even like the term roadblock. I think of it more like as a speed bump or like a detour to get you where you need to go. Like you had this envision to, to teach, but your teaching looked different than how you envisioned it. But it has been absolutely amazing for you because of all of these relationships that you have built and established Mm -hmm. and you've been able to like uplift so many women and the impact is just like (laughs) and I I think that the reason why it was the teaching that I didn't envision is because that was the only teaching I knew Mm -hmm. you know when when you're in a really traditional and environment when you teach, you're in a classroom, you're in front of students, sitting in desks, in rows, and this is what it looks like. And there's a board behind you and you have information and you deliver and it's a sit and get, and that's it. And I think that during our experience in our own adulthoods, we went through that type of education. But then when education training really started to become valuable and interesting and differentiated, we were able to say, hey, there's new ways to learn. And people people learn in all kinds of methods and in all kinds of ways. And it takes all kinds of teaching for that to be effective. And we're never not learning. Right. I mean, your, your experience here with the podcast is case in point. So when we take teaching outside of the four walls of the classroom Mm -hmm. and we really recognize that we have the opportunity, opportunity to teach and learn and be curious and truly inspire on a regular basis. Yes. So what you said, I had the chance to work with thousands of women, Lisa, I when when we would speak on stages, and there would just be 5000 people in the audience. And there were 80,000 people in the network. Among those in the United States, Canada, and Puerto Rico with this company, we were just everywhere coast to coast, I was everywhere doing that. And it was just, it was awesome, truly, in the sense of the word, it was awe inspiring. And I did, I loved that. And I actually stopped 
teaching after, so it was 2006, it was May of 2012 was the last month of teaching for me in a classroom. After that, I was like, I, at that point was making more money working in this skincare and cosmetics environment as a national trainer and senior director and just, you know, building a team and working with all these women and working in education in that way or delivering hope and delivering inspiration through that medium that that's what I just kept doing until that rug was totally pulled out from underneath me. And, and here's where I like to talk about uh, the impermanence of rugs. So, and, and just think about that for a second, say it to yourself, the impermanence of rugs. Permanent. Rugs can be changed. Mm -hmm. Rugs can change the appearance of a room. They can change. Uh, they can change the organization. They can change the design. They can change the layout. They can change what appears to be the foundation. It can change what appears to be underfoot supporting you, whether that be a marriage, or a friendship, mm -hmm. or your time in an employment environment, or the type of teaching that you deliver. None of that is permanent. All of that can be changed. You can physically get off of that rug and go somewhere else, or it can just be taken right out from underneath you completely. And it was not until I experienced the pulling out of the rug that I was really like, none, none, of, none of this is permanent. Everything I ever thought was going to happen in my adult life and be the thing I did as an adult has changed. So now what? And that truly, Lisa, at that point, that was in 2017, it, July 20th, 2017, mm -hmm. when I realized, okay, there's a completely different version of these stories that can be told. Everything foundational I have ever learned about consistency in your adult life or what traditionally has been, what do you do? And then someone has a single answer to that is not the case either for me or is not the case in a, in a more modern environment. Mm -hmm. It was definitely the answer though for myself personally and then yeah. others around me, the others that experienced the very same thing on the very same day in the very same way. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started to negotiate and that's when I started taking risks. Mm -hmm. And truly, it was in August of 2017 when on that weekend, and you and I have had this conversation briefly, even in fact, right before we started this, the mm -hmm. day that that company announced that they were closing, mm -hmm. my level of involvement and my position in a public space and I had YouTube channel at the time, it was, yes. it was YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Snapchat. We stayed with Lauren, man. Summer, I was there. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the show, I mean, that, that show, I hosted that What to Wear Wednesday. I hosted that show every Wednesday for two years, and it had such a significant following. You know, I've got thousands of views on videos, and then some of those videos still get viewed. Like, it'll pop up, like, in my professional spaces. I can still see in the analytics, like, this one's your most popular video. I'm like, that's from 2016, you know, or, like, something. Like, people still watch it. It's evergreen content, so there's no reason why you wouldn't, but it's uh, it is still funny to, to have that. And, and from that came the teacup story, which is mm -hmm. a fun story, um, and from that came this true learning of virtual connectivity that we didn't know was possible. Like it wasn't necessary. So COVID taught us 
virtual connectivity is necessary. Mm -hmm. Virtual connectivity wasn't necessary then. It was just possible and it was fun and we were doing it. And it eliminated like podcasts and like videos. It eliminated the rows and walls that separate us between each other. Mm -hmm. 2020 taught us that was essential. We had to have that connection or we would be isolated and then lonely. And mm -hmm. that is a truly sad space to be in. And some people really allowed that to consume them. So I started taking risks then and I started negotiating and I actually went from like one end to the next, you know, I went from like, oh, I'm going to stay at home. I'm working from home. I'm a stay at home working mom. Like that's the thing we used to say. Uh, and, and then I went to taking a job with a travel company and I was in a different domestic city every week. I was on an airplane six times a week. I was just all over the place for a solid year from August 24th, 2017 to August 24th, 2018. I, I did this just insane job where I was all over the place. It was so much fun. It was so I, much fun. I remember Walter. this because it's like, where's Lauren at now? What's yeah, I mean, I was my own version of where's Waldo. People yeah. would be like, where's Lauren today? You know, um, I was away from my children and that took a lot of um, like family support. The tribe that I had at home was very strong. The people that were at the time still taking my children to school because they were neither one drivers yet. Um, taking them to school and doing things. I mean, that was a risk. That was a huge risk, but I needed to take that mm -hmm. for a little while just to see these different spaces and places and make a variety of different connections. And it was because of that experience that led me to some of what I am today, mm -hmm. which is very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. I operate strongly in the gig economy. And since then, the taking risks that I have now must outweigh the pain that's being felt without taking the risk. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Can you just say that again? Okay, everybody that's listening, get your notepad out. Your notepad out. Oh my God, what did I just say? <laughs> get your notepad. Sketch yeah. note this. Say it again, Lauren. Yeah, no, just the risk that you that you take must outweigh the pain of not taking the risk. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, I actually said a version of this earlier today when I was working with another group of um uh, people. So my, my business partner and I had a meeting this morning for people that are working uh, on a nonprofit, but they all have regular jobs. So we met on a Saturday. Um, the, the, the pain is to sit and do nothing. So in my early twenties, I sat, and I did nothing. I did what other people wanted me to do. And then when I did things still that other people wanted to do, it was like sitting and doing nothing. And when you sit and you act on what you're called to do and what you're motivated to do and, and in education, I feel like that's everywhere that you're still here to teach or train people up in a certain way so that they can achieve their own personal goals and objectives. That's when I was like, all right, I'm really designed to do these things. I feel really comfortable. Some people call this their quad one. It's the highest and best use of your time. It's where you feel the most energetic. It gives you your most energy, but then you're also having these really, really strong and impactful outcomes. My business partner, who at the time was just a really great friend and I had been doing lots of fun things. So locally, I am very involved in the Education Foundation. I started as one of the founding members, founding board members, helped to grow it from community relations to vice president and now current president of the Education Foundation. Which we are so I, very thankful for. So very thankful for. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, and then we understand the value of private dollars for public good and the true philanthropy in that. And then 
my, my business partner now in Fast Bryant Consulting worked as the director of communications for the school district that we supported with the philanthropy, but she went on and also started communications departments at other school districts and had a really great time with that. And people were always bringing us together because of the partnership that we established in that environment where we were using nonprofit resources, which is volunteer hours and time to support public school that she was helping to do the communication with. At that level, national organizations were calling us. NSFA, which is National School Foundation Association, would be like, hey, we want you to come talk at in Chicago, and we need you here in Oklahoma, and we want you in Utah, and we want you to come to the state of Florida. And we were like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, why are all these people asking us to come talk about these things? What is it that we have to offer that is so valuable? And they're taking us away from our families and these other things. So like, maybe they'll pay for our hotel. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. We're like, oh, maybe they would like buy our dinner. <laughs> we did that. We did all that stuff. And then people knew about it locally. And they were like, hey, can we pick your brain? We know you guys did this in Chicago. Like, will you come do this year? And then when we would do it in these different places, then all everyone who comes to the conference would see us and then go back to their places from a national conference and then they would call us from there and that's how that really started okay well we, we should probably start charging for this don't you think like that's a good idea right? like well what do you think we're worth oh, i don't know what would i pay me to come do this i don't know we've always been doing it for free you know i mean like we had to like really come come together i think i think when you're out there doing this stuff like all of that kind of goes on in your head anyways you know what i mean yeah well i, I mean i I could pay to get there. And yeah, if they want to hear what I have to say, I'm going to tell them what I have to say. I guess I could, I guess I could buy the ticket and go there. I mean, we could drive there. Like this would be a fun road trip. You know, like we just kept justifying it and all these. I could so see you guys like high-fiving and being like road trip, let's go. <laughs> oh yeah. We had the best time with that. We really did. Uh, it was when people started to offer to pay us. They're like, Hey, we have this budgeted. We've got like seven to $10,000 for this. So we'd like to give you that. We're like, so we can't take that in cash. Can we? <laughs> We're, we need like a bank account, don't we? We need something serious. And, and I don't want to say that we weren't taking it seriously. Some of that is in jest. But the, the point was when we recognized that we had something to offer that had value, obvious value, mm -hmm. that we took ourselves seriously. It really gave us permission to take ourselves seriously where we had not been trained in our familial environments or in our existing traditional communities to take what we had to offer as consultants seriously, to take what we had to offer, and I'm gonna say something very unpopular, as women seriously, mm -hmm. as a mother, as someone who was not formally trained in a single thing and has stuck with it, and as someone who maybe has a story of struggle that is a little less illustrious and a little less golden, has some dark spaces in it, well, maybe people don't want to hear what I have to say. Like, my story is not awesome. I have not always been cool. I have not always been good. Mm -hmm. But that's just the limitations in our own mind. So when we really moved through those and we recognized what we have has value and we could put pen to paper, put, you know, planes and airs and we could get places and, and make impacts in other parts of the country. We really took ourselves seriously. So we started as speakers. That's not a normal path for people to take. Uh, it's usually the other way around. Um, and that, that was a huge risk. That was a huge risk for us. What has resulted from that um, in our company, Fast Bryant Consulting, is that we actually, uh, we have you know three main motivations. There's our financial motivator, there's our time-bound motivator, and there's our legacy motivator. Our financial motivator for both of us, you know, single mom, two boys, Maxwell's in college. Oh my gosh, I'm paying for that each semester. You know, that's a significant chunk. We fuel our own households with our financial, our financial obligations are fulfilled by our work. 
Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I qualified for boot camps. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. There were two period, two years of my life where uh, I lived in one room with Maxwell and Mason, and we all three slept and shared the same bed. Mm-hmm. And that's you know not the case anymore. Like mm-hmm. that's that's a phenomenal leap. Very much so. Very yeah. much so. That's a phenomenal leap. That's a deep. That's a deep and phenomenal leap. Um, and 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 then for April too. April to be where she is to allow the opportunities. And they have they recently purchased a beautiful home and. You know, they just have this amazing space that they're so proud of. She's like, I love my house. And, you know, I, I have my house because of the work that I do. And when you can correlate the strength of your intellectual property and the strength of what you have to help influence others and make their lives great into fueling what hard work looks like for your household, that's so cool. That's one thing. Uh, the second thing in this process is that there's this amazing company based out of Clayton, Missouri, that recognized the strength in what we were doing and what I was capable of doing, both in my previous experience as an influencer in a social space for a product-driven company and the work that I was doing as a consultant with my business partner, Atomic Revenue, reached out and recruited me a couple of years ago to come work at their business, which is a revenue operations company, uh, like I said, based out of Clayton, Missouri, which is St. Louis, uh, not St. Louis proper, but Clayton and uh, support their initiatives. Hey, help us grow. We think this would be amazing. At this time, I am the only non-owner leader at Atomic Revenue, and it is such a phenomenal experience that we work with. We have so many talented people. There's you know over 40 of us coast to coast, and we work with companies in engineering, technology, manufacturing, and healthcare spaces with their, their revenue operations. We diagnose, resolve, and optimize gaps in touch points of revenue so companies can scale and grow profitably. And you might be wondering like, whoa, wait a minute. Did you say that you went to college and you studied sports medicine? And then I think I heard you say that you sold makeup once. And then I think you said that you spoke at a national level about school foundations. Like how did all of this come together? And what we discovered throughout this process and in education, this is the same way. When you're delivering information, when you're disseminating information to a group of individuals in such a way that they understand what you're saying, you're training them or teaching them, you're marketing to them so that they have this new operational knowledge or working understanding of how to make things better. So this is about crafting human behavior or helping behavior be in such a way that there is improvement on the next. And all of this is progressive and billable upon the next piece of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's no different than any kind of company operation, corporate operation. So a teacher is a player in a corporation. An educator is a player in a corporation or an organization or a process to facilitate the knowledge to those that will carry it into the next generation. That's what's happening. Mm -hmm. And in the social spaces where we learn to work out of necessity, you know, became active practitioners as digital and social strategists when we were delivering information about product and when we were delivering information about how people can get involved in education foundations and when we were delivering information about how people can get involved in public school districts we were learning about human behaviors online and how when done correctly or done well we were getting amazing behaviors oh my gosh people are so involved they're so informed they love it so much Mm -hmm. businesses need this too Mm -hmm. and that's when businesses really started to recognize help us with that all of these risks were taken not with the qualification of a specific marketing degree or background in technology, but absolutely because we became active practitioners in a space that we grew to love. And it was the highest and best use of our time because when we communicated one to many, we were able to have a stronger influence than we were when we were just communicating one to one. 
no longer isolated. I love how you said, uh, you know, about like the qualification thing, because I think too, unless you have a situation that happens that forces you into stuff, people don't take those, those risks on those things that are burning in their heart and in their gut because they feel like they're not qualified. However, when you start taking the action, you're qualifying yourself as you go along. You know, nobody knows what they're doing when they start stuff. I mean, if you did, you should have been starting it like 20 years ago, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. No, that is exactly right. And I, I used to say this about videos and, and I talked to you about this, about podcasts. Mm-hmm. When I would train people to sell products via videos, I would say your first video is going to be your first video. Get that thing out of the way. Yeah. Just be done with it. Will your first video be perfect? No, no. Will your video be perfect? Also, no. Mm-hmm. Also, no. And that's okay. Like, just just do the thing that you want to try to do, that you want to be known for, what is based on your motivations and then your personal values. Do the thing that is in alignment with that so that you can move on to the next step and at least say, you know, hey, I, I gave it my all. I gave it, I, I tried. And everything that I've ever done, Lisa, has led me up to the moment where I am right now. Oh, just by listening to your whole story, because there are things that you said that I had no idea about Lauren Fast and these Mm. things that like you have pulled yourself up and through so much, but it's like those things were set before you to get you to where you are now. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like when you look back, I hope you're like, I'm a freaking badass. Like, look at this. Like, look where I am. (laughs) Look what I had to go through. (laughs) I, I will say this when I make, when I make like a, a, a car payment, or if I make a payment for Maxwell school, who is at Missouri S and T studying nuclear engineering. So actually just the fact that I have Maxwell at S and T learning nuclear engineering, I'm like, I did something right. You know, like that's good. I was real good. He says things I don't understand. So, um, and then, you know, my, my other son too, my youngest is, you know, he just does really amazing things and they're super motivated. And I do believe there are versions of that where they saw, mm-hmm. um, what it was like to go through some things without everything, uh, what it was like to work really hard for something and um, what it means to work hard and be dedicated and try and give your all in a situation. We've never been passive watchers of time passing by, you know, I've always been really involved in something, but everything that I've ever done from the, uh, experience with education and understanding business and trying my own business and then ver- finding versions of success and failures in my own business and finding versions of success and failures in relationships to discover. And this is the most important part, what you don't want mm-hmm. and what you're not good at mm-hmm. and what you'll never do again. Mm-hmm. All those teachable moments, all those really hard things where you're like, God, this sucks. I don't ever want to do that again. So let's learn from this, friends, and move on from there. Learning to say no, learning to experience no, learning to experience don't, Mm -hmm. don't do it, is what leads you to the next yes. It really, really is. Because when you know what you don't want or what you're not good at, you can really start to, and you said like roadblock or this is all a part of the very same winding path. None of what we do in a traditional sense, it was a straight line. You start here and you end up there. And it was like A to B, mm-hmm. right? And what I'm talking about is, and I was telling you about the hike that I did yesterday, the topography of that particular hike was really challenging. I mean, there were moments where we were going up and down and up and down and over uh, 
streams and, and creeks and having to step on rocks and versions of it were precarious going under trees, over trees, like all of these things, all these obstacles, that is the path we are on on a regular basis, whether we know it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we have very, you know, cruise control moments of our life. And then we come to a tree that's fallen in our path and you got to go over it or under it, but you got to keep going somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's all part of the same the same path. I think that the misnomer is, is that it's supposed to be simple or that it's supposed to be easy or that it's supposed to be straight mm-hmm. or that it's supposed to be without difficulty. Well, my life must not be great because it's so hard. No, you're all, your life is awesome mm-hmm. because it's so hard. Like there are people that passionately care or you passionately care so that you would have the expression of an emotion that is extreme, like love or not love, you know, like there's, there's versions of that, 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 you passionately are able to convey when your relationships and your, your professional life. And then the goals that you have, is this a goal worth achieving? Well, that's kind of hard to get there. Well, then it might be worth achieving, but you're, you're yeah. going to find out on your way there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you keep your mindset so strong and healthy going through all of that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, just like plugging into different communities, like that's a big thing that I hear. It's like, they hit that, that tree fallen and it's just mm-hmm. like, they go down and it makes it really hard to pull yourself back up once you get really far down. Like, how do you keep your mindset so strong and so optimistic? I I will say that it is that now I, I, I feel strong and I feel optimistic because I have gone through truly weak and vulnerable moments. And I have gone through just dark, 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 pessimistic days, really dark days days you didn't know that you'd come out of, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because I am aware that I have survived 100% of the challenges I've ever gone through. Mm -hmm. I know that it is not the challenge that made me stronger. It was how I choose to woke up, uh, wake up or how I woke up the next day from the challenge and how I climbed out of that that is the strength that is being exercised or the positivity. So what is this? Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, the elephant one bite at a time, one step at a time. But the, the, the biggest thing for me, and this is the skill that I have as a result of this, I actually see and have seen uh, a counselor. Sometimes I've called her life coach. Sometimes she's therapist. Sometimes, you know, she's whatever the sounding board, same person for like 11 years. Mm-hmm. Sometimes once a month sometimes once every other month, sometimes every other week, Mm -hmm. but have always had this touch point with an objective view, a third party view in my life. So I can say, all right, have I really screwed this up? Or let me celebrate this moment of joy with you. And she has this great snapshot of these stories that I've told and the way that it's being told from my perspective, because Lisa, we are all the protagonists of our own story. Mm -hmm. I would not always say that I see things from a positive, strong, optimistic way until I'm in a great day. And I'm like, yeah, today's good. It's raining. It's, you know, kind of yucky outside. It's a good day, right? Other days I'm like, it's raining. Mm-hmm. So right. I have a very Eeyore perspective of that, but I have access to this amazing resource in a professional that I have stayed in touch with. And the, one of the things that is something she's taught me is first of all, never stop learning, but to stay connected. And the biggest example I have of this is when uh, my son was in his accident Mm -hmm. in 2019. So September 25th, 2019, life changed because, you know, we just, we weren't sure he was going to make it. Mm -hmm. And 
community and friends and people came together and just kept me talking about it. And I kept talking about it and telling the story. And even to this day, it feels good to say all of that because we know what it is that we got through mm -hmm. and none of that would have been possible without the strength of the community and without the strength of the connection, mm -hmm. relationships, the conversations, the support. Mm -hmm. How do I stay strong? How do I stay positive? You, you, you need more connection. You stay more connected. You, you, you involve yourself more almost when you don't want to, mm -hmm. you know, because hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And it's when you need your most love. It's when you need the most uh, affection and empathy and uh, support and in, in listening, mm -hmm. not a listen to respond, but a listen to hear. You, you need that at the lowest points and those recognizing that, knowing that about myself now mm -hmm. versus before, which I, I didn't know it then, but I do now has been a reason why I feel comfortable taking a risk because I have a supportive community mm -hmm. or I have these supportive relationships, people that I can look at and say, all right, this is a terrible idea. I need you to, and you, you have to tell me, you have to tell me right now. You have to tell me that right now. <laughs> and if you want to tell me next week, that's fine too. But you have to tell me. <laughs> this yeah. is a terrible idea. Yeah. You know, but here's what I'm feeling. And this is what I'm going to go for. And does this plan make sense? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I absolutely love that you said, because I think it's so true. And I think this is something that we miss like a lot of is the power of choice. You know, you said that I choose to wake up and view things like this. And it is like everything, our mindset and everything and the things that we go out and do, it's all our choice. And that is just like, it. when you really think about it, it's like, yeah, I have choice in everything that goes on in my mind. What I tell myself, if I, if I feel that negativity, negative Nelly or whoever you want to call her, I call her Anna sometimes popping in. I'm like, whoa, girl. Listen, Anna. Glad you made an appearance, but I know I'm on the right path now because you just popped in. So be gone. <laughs> you know. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's what you just said that, and I want to empower everyone to understand that they do have the power of choice. I have I have experienced many decades of my life where I was like, oh, and then I had to fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. You you can answer your own question here. I had to choose, <laughs> but, but no, without choice, feeling like you had to do something. And that is almost always related to the perception of others. I had to behave. I had to act, or I had to think, or I had to say, or I had to take this action because mm -hmm. this is what was expected of me. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when I got married, I felt like I had to get married. Was it my choice? Yes. Did I know that then? No. Mm -hmm. could I have said no I totally could have but I did not have the resources or the strength or the education to really believe that then mm -hmm. now I know it I know it to be true and a very very loving and wonderful influence wise person in my life recently said this is not happening to you this is happening for you Mm -hmm. And when you realize the choices that you're making that lead to certain things, you may not always see what it is right away. So if something feels like, okay, I made this choice and I made it for this reason, what is happening? You know, mm -hmm. uh, that, that later you're like, no, this is, 
this is good. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. But yeah, the choices are the risks. Yeah. Knowing that you have the choices mm-hmm. is feels uh, risky, feels scary. And the strength of the connectivity and relationships and community support is what gives you the power to move through those risky choices. Yeah. One thing that you said too, you know, is like with Maxwell's accident, you know, like just the, that connection, that connection. Like I remember I was like on Facebook, just looking to, for his updates, because I saw that first one and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, because my son had a similar accident. I think a few years prior. I remember your message. Like uh, lots of prayers right now, you know, I know exactly how you're feeling and going through because we were absolutely terrified that like we weren't going to have our boy, you know, or he, he was going to come pull through and not be the same boy that we had, you know, all those what ifs and, and all of that. But it's like, when you put that, put your story out there, you get your support to help keep you going, you know, so you can be the best for whatever situation you're handed at the time. So, and you know, it's hard, it's hard to put your, those stories out there, you know, and to look for that support, but the time that you need it the most is when you need to do it. The time it's the hardest is when you need to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, One more thing that keeps me really connected in strength, you know, in my strength and, and optimistic is that I exercise creativity pretty mm. regularly. And, and you're familiar with this. So the creativity that I, I have literally been able to stay in touch with is still the love of makeup. Yes. Have you ever seen those questions? It's like, I own an extraordinary amount of, <laughs> I always laugh because like my answer to that is makeup. I own an extraordinary amount of makeup, but I work and I have worked. And I actually started this when I was 20. I think I was 20 or maybe I may have been 20. I'm trying to remember when I did my first wedding, but I think I was 20. I've been doing makeup artistry or working as a makeup artist for 21 years. She's amazing. Thank you. Absolutely amazing. Her work is gorgeous. Well, thank you for saying that. It is, if it, if nothing else, it's fun. It's so much fun. I mean, just the stories that the women tell me that I work with, whether it's for a photo shoot or for a prom, like we've got proms coming up, whether it's for uh, weddings or anniversaries, just whatever the special occasion is, that is a, just an expression of creativity. And, you know, someone tells me like the look they're trying to create or the vibe that they want to have. And I can take the brush and the colors that I have in front of me. And I, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can do that on a face. And that, that is really important. Some people knit, some people sing, they play music, they, they paint. Um, I love to be in nature. I hike as often as possible. I go outside as often as possible. I love to touch the dirt. I love to feel the crunch under my feet. And then I love to do makeup. <laughs> yes, she's absolutely like after this go follow Lauren and she's going to give us all of her contact information because her I mean her work is absolutely gorgeous. She does like the before and after and I mean the women are beautiful before and then yeah. after I mean it's it's her work's just great. It's it's And I, as I say all that to you like you were we were on this together when we were both putting our clear lip gloss on but <laughs> yeah. I, not a stitch of makeup on my face as I'm talking to you in this Zoom but call. So. That's another thing that I absolutely love about you too is because you do the makeup and you're so passionate about it but 
you're also into like the, the bare skin too, which mm -hmm. is so empowering for so many women, you know, because mm -hmm. when you are on whatever social media, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, whatever it is, it's like yeah. the painted, the painted female and the filtered female. And Lauren is not like, not that, like she rocks this beautiful bare face all the time, all the time. But sometimes she'll just put lipstick on too. Like it's, it's great. Yeah. No, just red, just red. That's if I'm going to yes. do anything, I'm like, oh, red. I, I yes. just, it's in my bag. Like I just carry that with me right here. Yeah. I love That's it. Funny. <laughs> it's great. Um, so what is, what, what do you think is next for Lauren fast? What do you think's next down your path? What are you hoping for? That's thank you for saying it that way. Cause I develop personal brands and digital and social strategies based on people's goals and objectives. Uh, they're that three key motivators, the financial, why the legacy, why, and the, the, the time bound, why mm -hmm. all the time. And it's like the plumber's house is never plumbed. Mm -hmm. I said to April recently, I was like, you know what? We ought to do that for ourselves someday. <laughs> like, we need to hire someone to do this for us, you know, cause it's, it's so hard to then turn around and like use the mirror and just be reflective and say, okay, self, what is it? You know? And I, I think for me, this is a legacy motivator. I said, fine. I said to her financially, you know, we're doing the thing we wanted to do, you know, could we do more? We probably could, but it's not really, it's not it's not about that. Uh, we are doing what we're capable of doing so that we can also, with respect to finances and our time, we are financially meeting our obligations based on the amount of time that we want to spend with our families. Cause those are directly correlated. You know, if we wanted to just be like, you know, head down all the time, we could probably do more from a professional and personal capacity standpoint, but because other things are also the most important part, we have this really strong version of segmenting our day into thirds. So you take your 24 hour day and you separate it into 888, you know, so that you can effectively spend time and sleep and, and rest and, and, and work and, and have that great balance. I absolutely love Whenever. that strategy. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I have yeah. not heard of that strategy of separating your day yeah. like that. So we might have to do a whole nother like workshop <laughs> on this well, they, on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the eight can be when you need it to be. I, I do want to say that because there are, I'm, I know when I best, like from my delivery standpoint, I'm really, really good. Like nine to about two, mm -hmm. nine to one, nine to noon, mm -hmm. depending on what I'm doing really good. And then I need a break. Mm -hmm. I mean, siesta is a real thing. Like Lauren needs a break. <laughs> Give me a minute, you know, let me go to lunch. Let me spend some time and then I'll come back and I can do things later. But as long as I have the opportunity to, to take a break and not just fill eight hours for the sake of filling eight hours, but to make sure that I am truly productive and then honoring the rest and the play and the time that I know that I need mm -hmm. to be productive in any other phase of my world so that I sleep well, mm -hmm. so that I'm efficient when I'm working. And so that when I'm with my family or with my, you know, I'm truly present. That's the, that's really, that is so important. So working on that. So really it's about a legacy motivator. What's the next thing? I have versions of things that I've been working on that I want to take off my plate so that I can really start to prepare for both Maxwell and Mason to be away in college somewhere so that my time that is spent in my rest is maybe 
cross your fingers to go see Mason play ball somewhere else mm-hmm. to go visit Maxwell where he is, you know, cause they're not both local. Um, and to do the things that I think is a celebration, not just of joy, but of hard work, mm-hmm. you know, travel, travel with those that I love travel that I want, you know, those that I want to spend time with, do the things that are important to them as an expression of my love as an expression of our relationship and importance and connectivity. So the next thing here at 41 <laughs> is to have um, with a financial planner, like a true financial plan so that there is a snapshot of what retirement might look like and allow me to spend the time with my children that I know that I wanna spend with them while they're still you know, my babies, they're always be my babies, but while they're still my babies before they have jobs and they're living somewhere else and they're doing their own nine to five or whatever version of their life they're exercising, um, make a plan for that. I think that's the next big goal. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Like I am so honored to call you my friend and like, this was great. This was great. We need to we need to meet up more often. I mean, really. <laughs> well, we talked about that. I think yes. that, uh, you know, hopping over there to the bean is a good idea more than, more than once. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And I can, I mean, I can't wait to get this out to the community and tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, because I guarantee you people are going to want to like, be like, I need, I need a Lauren in my life. Like she's my new best friend. <laughs> oh, I need, I need a Lauren. This was great. This yeah. was great. Oh, well, I thank you. Gosh, thank you so much. And, and to, to your listeners, thank you for, you know, whatever amount of time that you spend uh, uh, hearing our, our conversation and then adding to your own conversation, you know, adding to that, like in the commentary, I just invite other people to say, you know, what, what are the, the moments where you recognize you were taking risks? And I think that that's a really interesting piece to share because what people will discover is the thematic element is that we all have one or mm-hmm. more, many. We all have many, let's say. And you know, no one is more risky than another. All of those risks have a, a strong level of validity in the context of each individual's life. And then just what, what that led to, you know, did that lead to more? Yes. Did that lead to a no? So, you know, what the next yes looks like, like that's the, that's the really cool part of this. Uh, So I hope too, for all of the listeners that this gives them their permission slip to go take the yes, like take Mm -hmm. the yes. Like I invite that. I, I, I invite the rest, you know, when you, when you're being pushed or when you're pushing and you're considering a pivot, I, I invite you to say yes once and then discover your nose and then you know what next yes is and just recognize that every single path that you're on is going to be a little bit like that hike. When you say that, it totally reminds me of Denzel Washington because when he does his speeches, he always talks about know what you are not so you can focus on what you are. If you know what you're not, the, you can filter out all of that stuff and focus on who you are and what your purpose is. So there are some specific resources that you can access about that. I think Gretchen Rubin taught me that best. Gretchen Rubin has the book, The Happiness Project, which is the piece that I actually went through about 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and in there, she has this concept of freedom within your limitations. So when you understand what your limitations are, and I'm, I'm sort of holding my hands together in like a circle, like making a hole 
and that's defining my limitations. But you know, when you know what your limitations are based on what you're capable of and your strengths and your weaknesses, mm-hmm. just swim in that, swim in that all day. And, and that, that line from uh, French Kiss, Meg Ryan's character says, just swim in it till your fingers get all pruney, you know, like just stay within there because when you, you have freedom within those limitations, you can do whatever you want as long as you recognize what you are not, as you just said. Um, so I, I do love that. And one of the things I've said, even in job interviews is one of the strengths I have is that I know I have weaknesses. Mm-hmm. That's 100% and, too. And just operate within that. So people can find me. I'm on LinkedIn. So I'm Lauren fast on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, my email is Lauren at laurenfast.com. I make all of this very easy. Uh, my professional Facebook page and my professional LinkedIn are, or, or excuse me, a professional Facebook page and my Instagram. Those are connected. So the content is the same. Those both started as image-based platforms and they have stayed image-based platforms. So when you were talking earlier, like, you know, go see her work and go see her before and afters, all of that lives on my Instagram, which is at the Lauren fast or my Facebook, which is at the Lauren fast, all, all the same. And you'll find things about, you know, my own makeup, my own style, my own business information, all the before and afters, all the beauties I've ever had the opportunity to work with, all the canvases that I painted your faces, <laughs> no literal canvases. Um, all of that is on that Instagram and then Facebook and have conversations with people about lots of things and all those other places. Um, April and I's website is fastbryantconsulting.com. And then uh, Atomic Revenue. I also have some really fun blogs and information on atomicrevenue.com. So all of the work and the places I work in, uh, or all uh, in the gig economy and my streams of revenue are all linked to various professional platforms and uh, very easy to find in the social space. And everything is, all of her information will be linked in the show notes. So you will just have to click mm. and it'll take you right to all of the awesome stuff. <laughs> so they're, they're going to see there. And if, you know, if this isn't a video or if somebody's listening to this, like, what, what does she look like? You know, and I, I have really short hair. I actually go to a barber and it's so important. For, I love, like, I love I those started, pictures too. I love it. Yeah, I, I take pictures when I go to the barber and I show people my barber shop and my barber, I, um, there's actually a diet Coke commercial. So if you look this up, diet Coke, it's from 2006 and you have to look this up, Lisa, too, a diet Coke commercial from 2006, where this lady was walking down the street and she's drinking a diet Coke and it's this fun music. And I can't remember the name of the song, but it's, it's a common song you'll hear. And you're like, Oh, I know that. And she goes into a barbershop and she sits down in the chair and she points and all the guys in the barbershop are like, okay. And they cut off all her hair and they give her, you know, essentially a man's haircut. And she walks out confident and striding and she looks good. And I'm like, that, that's what I want. And that's how that started was literally a diet Coke commercial from 2006. And and after that, it became a, a thing. Um, and, and, and people were like, oh, you mean the woman with the short hair or Lisa, if I wear my red lips, the, the, the woman with the red lipstick. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, so it's become, you know, obviously part of the brand and uh, I, I just, you know, it takes me as long to get ready in the morning as it does the boys. So that was another, (laughs) another reason to do it. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And it is one of her signatures and another one of her signatures because I have seen Lauren up on stage and she brings the heat up on stage. She's absolutely amazing. Shoes. Her oh, shoes. When I'm out in the audience, somebody always like nudges me is like, check out those shoes. Those are yeah. so awesome. 
Yes. Oh, that's, that is so funny that you say that. I was actually in Texas one time on a stage and from the audience, people were like, your shoes, where'd you get them? You know, like they're yelling at me about my shoes. So I actually stopped my, my presentation and I like stepped my foot forward and the cameraman, you know, like there was one way on the audience and there were two sides. And it was the kind of thing where I had three screens behind me. And they zoo every screen, like this whole massive conference center was just like on my shoes at the time. <laughs> so That's awesome. It was so That's fun. Awesome. Was like, yeah, it was, it was really, it was a cool thing. They're like, those are the best. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, fun shoes. Definitely. But so. definitely connect with us on social media. <laughs> we would love to chat with you, um, you know, DMs if you're not comfortable, like doing a share out on a story or anything mm -hmm. like that, but definitely connect with us. And Lauren, we are so grateful for everything that you do within our hometown community and, you know, just for uplifting women and just people in general. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. You are so, thank you. This is, this is a beautiful thing you've done here. I am thank you. super proud of you. You don't need me to be proud of you, but you, you've got it. You've thank got you. it. It's yeah. so fun. It's so fun. So, but thank you so much. You are Thank you so very much for hanging out with Lauren and I on the She Elevates podcast. I hope you had takeaways like how I had takeaways from this conversation with Lauren. I was absolutely blown away by her, her authenticity and her vulnerability with this chat. Please feel free to connect with us. All of our information is linked in the show notes. And don't forget to subs subscribe and rate this podcast. Thank you so very much.